Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of The Back Check. With you, as always, is Brendan and Stefan. We got a lot to talk about on this episode. The Islanders were surging, had a loss and a little rough patch there, but they're going to kick it back into gear tonight. And then we also have the Rangers-Islanders clash, which, from my perspective, not a lot of optimism from the Rangers side. We got to talk about the Bruins' absolute front office debacle. We got to talk about Matthew Kachuk showing the Brad Marchand-esque <laughs> side of him. So there's a lot to go through, but first and foremost, Stefan, how are you doing today? Good. I am on my like 18th cup of coffee today. Here's a, a little uh, Star Wars uh, cup there, but um, got a little Chewbacca on the front. Yeah, a little Chewbacca. I will not make a sound effect there. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, listen, the Islanders and Rangers going a little differently for both sides. I think the Rangers have lost what a couple in a row now. Uh, so they lost four in a row, 0-2-2, two two, one three in a row, and now they're 0-1-1 one one in their last two. Yeah, they blow that lead to Detroit. I mean, Detroit's – listen, the Islanders played Detroit. They got shut out. They just came back and beat the Rangers after trailing two goals. This Detroit team is when all these players hit their prime because they're all pretty similar in age at their core that they have this young core. They're going to be very good. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win and make the playoffs 25 straight years or whatever it was because salary cap age can't really do that. But this team is, I mean, they have a legitimate goal in Billy Huso. And we're going to get to joining Bennington in a sec or a couple of minutes down the road. But this is a young talent. They also brought in veterans like David Perron, who really helped change the narrative there. Steve Irishman at the helm, who, who's only going to improve this roster. This is a young team. And you're looking at, you know, we look at the East, especially the Metro division, though. It's like a changing of the times right now. And you're looking at the, at the East. Specifically, obviously, the Metro where the Islanders and the Rangers play. But the East, you're seeing teams that maybe won't be there towards the end of the year, but teams that got off to hot starts. The Sabres always get off to hot starts and fall off a cliff. The Flyers, who no one had any expectations for them, got off to a hard start. The Devils have been probably one of the biggest surprises in hockey right now. I think they're 9-3 on the year. So, And then the Capitals and the Penguins are teams that are they're falling off, those older-type teams. And now you have the opportunity for the Rangers and Islanders to really – Ped the point total again, like we just mentioned. The Rangers have struggled with that. The Islanders went two of three on their on their road trip there. They beat Chicago. They beat St. Louis. They had won five straight games too. So I mean, for the Islanders right now, what's cooking? They're scoring goals. They're keeping the puck out of their own net. The penalty kill has been great. They have allowed a power play goal against in four straight contests. But overall, they're ninety point four seven percent on the year. Something along that lines, and their goaltending has been unreal. The missing link for the Islanders has been their power play. It's at 13.7%. 
they're generating chances. They're not burying. You look at it, okay, do they have the players? Because the last couple of years, power play hasn't been great. They need that game changer. And I think, you know, that's up to Lou to figure that out. But they've had the chances to score. They're just not burying. Players missing the net, snapping their sticks, whatever. But that's kind of like the missing piece for this Islanders team because everything else is clicking. Now, if the power play starts getting hot, we'll, we'll see something else falter. Yeah, that's usually how it works in sports. But if the Islanders could find a way to get their power play to be even – 20 percent this team is you know once this power play clicks and everything else is the same this is when the honors become one of those elite teams but right now what's holding them back is their inability to not even score power play goals but gain momentum off the power play last game they allowed a shorthanded goal if you're not going to score in the power play you can't be giving up shorthanded goals correct yeah and you know the islanders rangers in a similar boat in the sense of the power play is struggling the rangers do have a lethal power play but right now they're doing way too much east west stuff and I think that when you look at what the Islanders have been able to do scoring wise, they're, they're they're pretty much a very easy team to read, right? Nobody's going to go into a game against the Islanders and go, okay, I'm not really sure where their offense is going to come, what they're going to try to do. They don't have any type of players outside of Matt Barzal who's going to really try and create off the rush like that. They're going to dump it. They're going to chase. The defense is going to contribute offensively, shoot pucks towards the net, and they're going to have to get those gritty goals, and it's been working for them. I mean, just the, the game they beat the Rangers the other night, I think all three of their goals were from right and around that slot area. Palmieri had one, Bailey had one, so – they're they're succeeding at their game, and I think that that's where they kind of lacked last season is they got away from their games at times and they couldn't finish their chances, and now you're looking at it this year, and that's kind of changed early on. And the exact opposite has happened to the Rangers, who I think they're like eight and a half goals below what they're expected to have scored at five on five. They can't finish anything right now, and they're just getting – they're getting solid goaltending from Chesterkin, not Vesna-level goaltending, and they're getting okay goaltending from Halak, and that's kind of been the difference where they're not finishing and they're not getting bailed out as much as they were last year, but they're still getting points. They're still 6-4-3. and three. They've only lost once in regulation when Chesterkin's in goal. So you have like these two teams who are going to be meeting Tuesday night that are in similar boats in some senses, but I think the Islanders have had the edge in play early on in the season, and they've weirdly had the edge in offense, which I don't think anybody would have uh, penciled down that the Islanders were going to have more goals or a better offensive output than the Rangers through the first 10-plus games. Yeah, I put out a like, hot takes to start the year, and one of my hot takes that the Islanders were going to score more than 3.0 goals per game. Now, again, it was a hot take. I knew the offense might be slightly better than it was last year. I think 2.79 goals per game. But, yeah, they're scoring goals. And like you said, they're not a, easy, a hard team to read. You know exactly what the Islanders are going to do. The problem is once they get to their game plan, you can't stop it. The same way the Islanders have struggled when they've allowed the fast teams, like the Devils or the Red Wings, to get to their game first, where once the opponent establishes that speed game, the Islanders are not a fast team by any means. Now, they're not stupidly slow. But they're not, they don't have the young legs, those fast players that Detroit has, where they have everyone flying around to the Devils out of a cannon. But once the Islanders get to their game, we've seen it. They've got enough to slow starts, but they find ways to win games. So that's really what it's been. You're back to Trotz-esque hockey, where if the Islanders score first or get a lead at any point in the game, they're going to lock it down. Where last year, if they were down 1-0, 2-0, perfect example, that Colorado Avalanche game, where they go down 3 nothing early in the second, last year that game is over. But the Islanders found their game, came back and won. And that just goes to show that they could play in this aggressive system. Things could pay off in that regard. And, um, yeah, I, it's been it's been a positive. Again, they have not gone off to strong starts, which is an issue. But when you have a goal like Sorokin, as the Rangers know when they had Jesterkin, you that's a luxury. 
Now, again, it, can it last a whole year? I mean, for Shosturkin, it did, but that's probably the, the level that Shosturkin played last year. Unfortunately for him, he will never get to again. I mean, you're talking about a historic season. If he gets to it again, great for him, but it's going to be very hard for him to do that, which needs more support in front of him. And right now, Sorokin is playing to that level we saw Shosturkin at last year, and it's allowing the Islanders to learn the system, get their, get their legs going. But it comes a time where eventually you have to see the Islanders start off strong. And yeah, I don't think we've seen a full 60-minute effort from them. And the positive is that they're over 500 without playing full 100% game. Yeah, I think that's one of my least favorite cliches in hockey because I don't think there's ever a team that plays a full 60 minutes. No. You're always going to get pushed back because I, I remember last season, right, the Rangers were, I think they had 54 wins or whatever it was, and everyone was like, oh, they haven't played a full 60 minutes yet, and they're at 50. Well, no one plays a full <laughs> – they're playing another NHL no, team. They're going to take a couple of minutes course, over. You can control slow – like, there's one – we talk about it all the time. You could lose a game. Like, you're not going to win and go 82-0, and 0, but it's how you lose. Like, again, when the Islanders played the Devils – Effort was an issue. Effort should never be an issue. You lose because the other team outplays you in the sense that they scored more goals and took advantage. But effort can never be an issue, and I think that was a concern early on. But when, when you say full 60, it's like, all right, get off to a stronger start. There should be no reason why you have two or three shots on goal in the first period. You should come out of the gates flying again. Let the other team control pace of play, but don't, don't give up or don't back down. Keep trying to fight to your game plan. I don't think the fight's been there for a full 60, which is probably more what I meant. So once the Islanders could do that again, because they play a style where they're aggressive on the four check, they're stopping transitions, and that's how they have to slow these fast teams down. It's all about four checking. And I think people don't really understand that. They're like, oh, you know, they hang back. Fast teams, they just transition the puck. Yeah, but if you're always on the four check or at least pressuring them, they can't break out with speed, and that limits their whole entire game plan, allows you to play yours. I think that's that's the biggest thing for the honors is consistently getting to their game plan just a tad earlier. But while they don't, Sorokin and even Varlamov, but more Sorokin because he's the starter, you shut the door and it allows the honors to find it and win, and that's why they have a 7-5-0 record. Yeah, and I mean, we, we talked about how the Rangers are struggling, and last season they started the year 7-3-3. Three, and three. This year they're 6-4-3. and three. So there's a one-game disparity between how they started last year and this year, and I think that we have to take it a little – with a grain of salt, because like I said, there, there is a lot of offensive chances that are just not falling for them at this current time. And it's a sloppy play. They lost their number two defenseman in Ryan Lindgren. So he's out. He's probably going to be out in the game against the Islanders. So they have a bunch of defensive scrambling going on. Um, they've had numerous injuries up front with Edel missing time. Kratzov, I think he's only played a total of 17 minutes and he's been on the roster for three games. It just gets hurt every time he's on the ice. So unfortunate for him, but he should be back on Tuesday. So they, they haven't had the cleanest start to the year, but they're still 15 points. They're still in the playoff mix, which at this point in the season, if you're going to be struggling, that's really all you can ask for. And like I said, they haven't had that next level goaltending from Shesterkin, but he's only lost once in regulation. So he's not been bad. And, the one concern that I have is Alexei Lafreniere is just looks horrible. I, yeah. I have no idea how how that guy was that consensus first overall pick right now. The way he's playing, Kako Kako looks really good. Yeah, Kako, like, actually looks really good, but no points. Like he finally scored yesterday. I think he's got three and three, um, so he's only got six points. So like these guys just don't have points. They they don't know how to get points in the NHL. But Kako at least is noticeable and looks dominant with the puck. Lafreniere just looks awful in every aspect. His hands look brutal, doesn't shoot the puck, can't make any plays with the puck, has no speed. Like, just 
he looks like Ryan Reeves out there. And if he doesn't start to play any type of hockey, that's he probably will be with the worst first overall pick in NHL history if he continues on this trajectory. Like that's how bad it's been, at least from my perspective. And Kratzov, like I said, hasn't even been able to play. So we have no idea what he's going to bring. They sent down Brennan Othman to juniors, rightfully so. But Brennan Othman, I think, has like two points per game in juniors. He's way too good for that level. And they could probably use some of that scoring at their level. So uh, it, it's just it's painful to talk about because of how bad like some of these players look. Kreider looks lost at times. Like they're just really off to a well, bad Kreider start. Is never, if they were banking on Kreider doing what he did last year again, you need a – you need, you need 30. You need 30 from him. And he he still will get 30, I think. But 52 is, I mean, there's only like two or three players that can do 52 numerous times like that. Um, so he, and one of them is the grade eight who just passed Gordy Howe. So tip of the cap to him. That's some type of accomplishment. But they, they got a lot to figure out and a lot of soul surging to do. And if they get pumped by the Islanders, which I think they will get pumped by the Islanders, that better be a wake-up call for them. Because telling you, not good. Sorokin's going to start tonight for the Islanders, which means he's going to play play the Rangers at MSG. And I'm pretty sure he has four consecutive shutouts at MSG. <laughs> like it's, a, I believe that's correct. Sorokin has four consecutive oh, shutouts. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Sorokin's going to start tonight against Calgary. Oh, so Varlamov's going to play against the Rangers at MSG, and I'm pretty sure his last four starts have been shutouts. Well, that means he's due to give up goals. And the Rangers well, I, do I, by the way, I was on um, uh, Hockey Night New York last night, and I dropped your name. Yeah? Well, I, we were doing, like, a look ahead, and, you know, I, we're talking about the Flames, and the Flames have lost four games in a row, and I said, as my good friend Brennan says, streaks eventually come to an end. Um, but we'll see tonight what the Islanders do there. Well, of course, we'll update the show to include some of the content from tonight with Calgary. But, again, the Islanders-Ranger games should be a fun one to, on Tuesday. But I wanted to talk, before we get to the Bruins stuff, First off, the Flyers. Just John Torella is back behind a bench, and he brings out you know these great content. That's yes, good coach, man. But uh, so remember that when they um they signed Ristolainen yeah. that offseason. That was the same thing as Ellis. Like the dump, they should have blown that operation up, and they said, you know what, let's bring in pay Ellis a, sh- uh, a ton of money and, and Rist- bring Ristolainen in. Well, Tortorella just called out Ristolainen in the media, saying he hasn't been good. I'm not sure if I'm going to put him back in the lineup. He might be a healthy scratch for a Flyers team that's actually overperforming this year. It's just a dumpster fire. That that addition, Ristolainen was never a good defenseman. Offensive defenseman, yes. But uh, look at Barzal's between the leg goal on March 6th. Was it last year or two years ago? I think it was last year. Last year. He bodied Ristolainen off the puck. Matt Barzal is not a – I'm not, not saying Barzal is weak at all. What is Ristolainen, like 6'4", 6'5", 200? Like, you can't be he's, bodied He's a up. big boy, yeah. Not be bogged off the puck by a Matt Barzal, and so I, I think it's just funny how Torts has no issue. I mean, I think that's why he got hired. He's not going to stand for BS. If you're not playing well, you're not you're not going to play. But let's get to this Bruin stuff. Get out of the way because it definitely needs to be talked about. People that don't know, Mitchell Mill uh, Mitchell Miller was an Arizona draft pick a couple of years ago. Well, it turns out that he actually had to go to court and was charged with bullying a. I don't want to miss. I know he's a disabled African American kid at school. And um, years and years of abusing this kid, racial slurs. I think he made him lick a, a toilet seat or do something in the bathroom. Just horrific things. He put that, a lollipop in the urinal and made him. It's just absurd crap that, you know. So now the whole thing is, well, do we believe in second chances? Do you have a right? And, and so the Boston Bruins end up signing this kid. And it just, first of all, this Boston Bruins team is one of the best teams in hockey right now. 
They don't. They didn't need a fourth round pick who dominated in the USHL. There was no need for this move. They sign them. They go under fire in the media. Everyone flips on them. Fan base flips on them. The players even questioned why. That's what I was going to say. I, that was the first time I've ever seen that many players publicly speak out against. Like they interviewed Bergeron. Bergeron was like, "Why? But why even do this?" You, Nick Felino was said, "This goes against my moral compass." Like. <laughs> there was no reason to make this move and they make this move and what what's again what's even crazier is that this abuse was racially motivated you could say oh it's a disabled kid no because he was saying racial acts and doing it racially motivated the person representing miller his agent is african-american and took on this case and backed it up saying like i'm you know we have very few african-american kids you're pretty much saying like if i could bring this guy on, you should give him a second chance. But some people don't deserve second chance. And again, does he deserve a second chance at life and playing pro hockey? Yes. But it is a privilege to play in the NHL. And when you do acts like that, again, this is not, this was not one incident where, pe- where people believe, like, oh, this was just one bully. No. Years and years of abuse. When he was drafted, um, the victim said his heart hurt to see him drafted. He never apologized. He only apologized after he was drafted, and then over the last couple of days or months when there were teams talking about signing him, did he reach out again on Instagram to apologize. Never truly apologized for what he did. I don't think he has much remorse for what he did. And then it comes out that he's working with all these groups to better himself. And then one of the groups pretty much quote-tweeted that BS statement and said, we have not worked with him. And then today or yesterday, last night, the Bruins rescinded their thing. And Cam Neely today comes out and goes, you know, this was probably my biggest mistake ever. He said he never talked to the family of the victim. Which is mind-boggling. How do you not – and this is not, like – this, this didn't, didn't just happen. You had months before you signed this kid to go and research and do this stuff. How did you not talk to the family that he was abused by to get – how does that happen? Even if it was completely point – like if it had no impact on his decision, which it should have, but even if it had no impact, just the courtesy aspect of you know what situation has happened here. You know what the media backlash – like if you don't, then you're completely numb to everything going on in, in the world and in the hockey community right now. So if you didn't have the integrity to just reach out and say, hey, we're, we're thinking about you know offering Mitchell Miller. We just wanted to reach out to you as a courtesy, go over this. Like how do you not do that? And Sweeney even said, he goes, I spoke to the players and their first response was, why? That should have been it. Game over. This is not the, this guy was a, especially the Bruins. The Bruins have the oldest, like one of the oldest leadership groups established. They're one of the most respected leadership groups and one of the most respected captains in Patrice Bergeron. If him and that leadership group is saying, we don't really think that's a good idea. Maybe you should listen to them. Again, this is a fourth round. This wasn't the next coming of McDavid or McCarr. Like this guy was not a top, highly touted prospect at all. It just, it just mind-boggling. And then, listen, I would have had actually more. They, there's very little respect for their organization right now, which rightfully deserved. But I would have had more respect for them if they kept him on the roster, had him in the AHL, didn't let him play in the NHL, but worked through it. Then when the media fell on them, then decide to get rid of it. You look even worse that you made a mistake and you allowed media to just, you know, you were so embarrassed that you had to cut it because that should never be a reason for your decision-making. It shouldn't be what the media puts pressure on you. The media puts pressure on everybody. But the fact that clearly it was wrong, you did it anyway. You make this whole stir on a week where your team is playing unreal hockey. It's a major distraction. They lose that game to Toronto. Definitely distracted. It just, 
it's so stupid for that to happen. And again, this is a part where we're looking at hockey in general and hockey culture being a major issue. The things we saw with Hockey Canada, um, just racial racial incidents throughout the years, like where we're trying to move past this and be better as a sport. And then an NHL team goes out of – they went out of their way to sign this kid. This wasn't like a, we have to do it. And, and when Sweeney said, listen – um, I don't know if this is the right move when they sign them, but if this was my kid, like if I, my kid was the one bullied, I don't know if I would ever forgive him. That you are you are answering your own question. It's <laughs> just I don't know. I, I think Cam Neely should resign. I know he's not the guy making all of the decisions. I know Sweeney has a lot to do with it, but Sweeney and Neely should resign. This is a d- blunder that will go down as one of the worst decisions ever by that organization. It's a disrespect to everyone that's played for the Bruins, especially guys like Char and Bergeron and guys that changed the culture there in Boston. And it's the biggest slap to the fan base who comes out there every night, pays to be there, loves to be around your team. It's a bad look for them. It's a bad look for everyone. It's a bad look for hockey. You heard Bettman's statements, you know, nothing seemed right. And it's just like every time the NHL tries to move past one incident, and, you know, put it behind us and grow and learn. And things like this happen. And th- there's n- no reason this should have happened. Again, could Mitchell Miller have changed from 14 years old? Sure. There's a difference between getting a second chance and a second chance of playing in the NHL. Yep. Get a second chance in life. But it's a luxury and a privilege to play professionally as a sport. And off-ice stuff does matter. And I, I know some players will say, you know, just play. Player game like McDavid last year when they got Kane. We don't really care about the off ice, just play. Wrong mindset because it does matter. We want right the right the right kids, especially up and coming kids that are good kids off the ice to represent this game. Yeah. Well, no offense, not pieces of shit. Well, there's also like I do believe in second chances to a degree. I think that there's various levels of actions. Like the one that's always stuck out to me was Josh Hader for the Milwaukee Brewers when he had those tweets that resurfaced when he was a kid, like he, he apologized. And when you're 12 years old, you do some stuff. And, uh, but there's a difference between saying, you know, stupid stuff on Twitter when you're 12 years old and the actions that Mitchell Miller did when he was in middle school through high school, however old he was. was. Exactly. So even if he does deserve a second chance, which I'm not sure he does at playing in the NHL, but say he does the only way he could ever get that is if he reconciled with the family first. Which like the family did. has to be willing to say, you know what? We hate what he did, but he has shown that he has changed a little bit. I, I would be okay with somebody giving him a chance. Um, all right. On to goaltending has been pretty weird. Things have happened this, this past week. We can talk about Kachuk and what he did last night to Jonathan quick. And for those that didn't see it earlier in the period, he crashed in that hard and got into the, in the way of quick trying to make a play. And they, they pushed and shoved a, a scrum broke out. And then later in the game, Kachuk's skating away from the top of the crease and he turns his blade over and tries to poke quick in the eye. I think he got him in the eye. Poke quick in the eye, right through the cat eye. Quick goes down. Kachuk gets two games, but like, what are you, what are you doing? The decision-making this week has just been so horrendous. Like, it's one thing to go after a goalie and be a Marchand kind of guy. You want, you want to be a pass. What was it last year? Marchand swung at um, – what goalie was it? Was it Hart? Oh. I'm trying to think of what team it was. Remember that? I don't remember what goalie. It's I remember the whole incident, though. He swung. And maybe it was in the playoffs. I think it was in the playoffs. Yes, it was. Jari. It was Jari. 
No, then it couldn't have been the playoffs because the Rangers played them. So they played Carolina in the first round. Well, it wasn't Carolina. Anyway, he swung at somebody and got and got in trouble. But like Kachuk, even against the Islanders, Kachuk was after every whistle was punching Zach Parise. This is opening night. Just every whistle punching Zach Parise, like in the face, just punching him. And you can see Parise going to the ref, like after every whistle, this guy's punching me in the face. I get it, being a pest, but don't go after goalies. And on the other side of goalies, Brandon, I don't know if you saw what Jordan Binnington did against the Islanders. And like, you know what? People said. A couple of people in my article said such a fan point of view. Because I was not roasting, but everything that he did to the Islanders. I wasn't even thinking from like that perspective. My perspective was as a goalie, how bad of a look that was. Because the NHL does so much to protect goalies. So much. And when you're flopping in your crease, trying to get calls that aren't there. It's just a terrible look. And then he's like, he's skating off the rink and he shoulders Ilya Sorokin. He spears Anders Lee in the nuts. Like, Focus on stopping the puck, which you didn't do enough in the 5-2 loss. Like, what are you doing? Uh, he First of all, he's pissed off because that team he's is a, a dumpster fire right now. But he's just trying to get under the skin. Like, if he did something more malicious, I would be like, all right, that's a little ridiculous. He, he didn't really hit him that hard. He just skated through him. Oh, yeah. But he, he that's that's just – he's a pest and he's – Which I get it, but if you don't if, – if you're a pest but you focus too much on being a pest and you don't do your job, you're useless. Like, Marchant's good at yeah. being a pest. But doing his job, like he'll cross like a goalie in the face and then score between the legs. Like that's, that's the problem. Is a goalie like he, if a goalie's a pest, which Bennington is, like, and, and I'm not saying he's not like I think everyone he, he might be coming one of the most hated players in the league. But a goalie that's a pest, it just when they do something like that, it becomes so much more noticeable because they're not in the regular play of the game. Like you said, Marshawn can score a goal and then become a pest. Like Bennington can't score a goal. He can make 24 saves and still give up five. Like that doesn't mean that all five were on him. So he's trying to, I think, get in the other goalie's head because he knows his team is struggling in every facet of the game. I think he was, he, have done that? No. he was trying to touch Sorokin to get some of his magic on him. He, I would do that too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Sorokin is stopping everything right now, so yeah, so, to, why not? The saves that Sorokin's make are making is just as a goalie, it's like a work of art. Like you're watching, going how? And I even asked him because first off, his English has been so much better, and you could actually talk to him. And I asked him on against the Blues, he stopped a backdoor pass, so Cairo got the puck creeping in in the circle. He has to respect the shot. Somehow he saw neighbors towards the back post. You should have had just a tap in, and he got over. And I asked him like. What are you like? How did you read that? And he goes, he goes. I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and right when I saw him go to move that pass, I just pushed off really hard and got there. But it's just how quick you have to be. I mean, him and and um, Shesterkin's anticipation level is what stands out. They just they're so good at reading the play in front of them. When they have no chance of making a save, they usually end up making it nine out of yep. ten times. And we still can't get a Shesterkin Sorokin matchup. Uh, we got one. We had one early on saves. last year. That's when Sorokin made the save of the year, one of the saves when he dove mm-hmm. back on Panarin, right? But they, like, it was Sorokin versus Alok. Now we're looking at Shesterkin versus Varlamov. Like, what do we got to do? And they only play one more time after this, too. Yeah, so. which is just, uh, that's horrendous. It's it's bad scheduling, but it, it's just hectic going on. And we didn't even talk about the Josh Anderson hit. I mean, that was – I don't know how Petrangelo got up, and I don't know how he got up that quickly without being injured and just started throwing haymakers. He – I 
Angelo seems that's like a very even general. killed guy. Yeah, like, that's but general. he got up and just went, looked around. I don't even think he cared. He would he would have hit his own teammates. That's how much fire was going through his body. But that was an awful hit. What uh, did he get two games for that, or did he had a meeting today? I know he had. Yeah, a... he got two games, and Kachuk yeah. got two games. I don't really know how the two of them get the same suspension. I also don't know if George Paros knows what he's doing, or if he still realizes that he's in charge of all this. But I think it's so funny how you have a guy that was a literally beat the crap out of people for a career in charge of player safety. I guess he understands that side of things, but at the same time, it's got to be he got to be looking at going like. Oh yeah, I probably would have dropped him too. Like I probably the one that laid, he looks at it and goes, "Yeah, I was the one that laid that hit when I played her, or yeah, did you, those things." You can't do that when you see only numbers like that. That was, and that's such a bad spot too because there's no glass. Like it's just the dasher and yeah, if not not good. <laughs> this has been a very bad week for certain players in the NHL, but yes, it has. It's been exciting. Besides, you know, again, the Mitchell Miller stuff that that can't happen again. You you got to be smarter as a, like I would expect the Coyotes to draft him when that happened. You were you were like, all right, this is brutal. But it's the Coyotes, you know, not a team that's been unreal this season so far. To 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 just do that at this point in time when your team's flying around to again maybe they just it was going things were going too well in Boston. You like, think you know, they had to work it a little bit? Spice <laughs> this thing up. Maybe. It was weird. Like like you just said, right? They, every single storyline narrative about that team was going so well. Your head coach was Jim Montgomery, who, you know, had the falling out in Dallas, had to take care of himself, gets his first job back, and all of a sudden – who very good coach, by the way. He took Dallas on some runs there too before he had to take it's care of his own business. Right? Yep, and, and now you're here. So he they got a great coach. And they also, moved on from Cassidy, moving on in the standings. They're looking great. And then all of a sudden you tamper all of that and just ruin every narrative around your team because of some idiotic signing. And and they went into this season supposedly not going to be good because um, Pat was – Pashnik was out or Marchant was out. They had a couple of guys out of the lineup. Um, McAvoy well, was McAvoy out. McAvoy is still hurt. Marshawn yeah. was hurt. And they're missing one more. Yeah. And so that they're going to have a lot of issues being healthy to start. And then they come off to this great star and then ownership and general manager said, you know what, let's just, let's just stop this right now. It's too good to be true. And a lot of Boston fans came out and you just, you could feel how much pain they were in to see this happen. But hopefully, you know, hopefully the family, um, what was it, what's the name? Corel Myers. I'm pretty sure is the last name or Myers Corel, something like that. I don't want to butcher it. Yeah, but. I gotta look. Um, I don't want to say the name and not be right. Uh, Mitchell Miller, Isaiah. Oh, I gotta find it. The kid's name was Isaiah, and I I feel incredibly bad for him. Like it's just Myers Crothers is the name. Isaiah Myers Crothers. Yeah, it's just first off, bullying at any at any point is is wrong. As someone who was bullied, it's it's unfortunate. You know, it is what it is. It happens in school. But it, it's a completely different thing when it's racially motivated. We have to be better. Again, culture has to change in hockey. It's already a, fu- a freaking mess. And the only thing, you know, you can't really look back at it. You could learn from your mistakes, but you have to learn from the mistakes and move forward. That's what the NHL has to do to be more inclusive, to get black players. Minor, uh, like, Kadri winning the cup was great. For the Muslim community, that's not really well represented in the NHL. For them to win a cup, showing kids that hey, you can be, you could look like Nazim Kadri and play in the NHL, which is 
probably one of the first players to ever do that. I know there's been a couple, but like to win and be there. You got African-American players coming up more. We need to grow the game. And these are just shots to the chest and holding the league back from growth. And it gets a lot of bad reps from around other sports because it's a white man's game. It doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Anyone can play. Just things like this cannot happen because it's a slap in the face. Everyone that's working hard to change the game. It's just NHL's got to be better. Teams got to be better. They got to be smarter. Again, you don't have to play to the PR, play to the media. You, you do what you think is the, the best thing to do to help your team. Mitchell Miller was not helping the Boston Bruins, and he wasn't even going to be allowed to play in the NHL because Bettman had to agree to that, and I don't think that was going to happen. So, again, major blunder, but we have Islanders-Rangers coming up on Tuesday. The Islanders play tonight against Calgary. Rangers looking to you know figure things out. The Islanders are looking to start a new win streak. They play four teams this week that have struggled as of late. And, you know, we'll see if goalies can calm down a little bit like Bennington and Jonathan Quick. Hopefully he's okay. People have to stop slashing goalies and doing things to goalies, but it's the NHL. And it's a great league, and hopefully the competition stays as good as it's been. Again, surprising teams in the East so far. Some dumpster fires of teams. Columbus, Johnny who? Johnny Goudreau. Oh, man, imagine him on the Devils. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because the Devils look good right now. and Narrative voice. He effed up. I don't uh, – Columbus is Bad. atrocious. Last place in the league. The Coyotes play at Mullet. The arena is called Mullet Arena, and they have a better record. It's just it's just crazy. But, Brendan, as always, pleasure talking to you. We'll catch up soon, and enjoy the rest of your day, guys. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Pod. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonix Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at FindRealRelief.com. That's FindRealRelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to FindRealRelief.com.